Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of H2 Tech Talk, the podcast series by H2 Tech, Gulf Energy Information's Hydrogen Technology Journal. My name is Tyler Campbell, Managing Editor for H2 Tech, and your host for this week's H2 Tech Talk. Today, I'm joined by Jason Goodhand, the Global Energy Stores Business Leader for DNV. Welcome in, Jason. How are things going today? Great, Tyler. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, would you like to start by giving a little bit of a uh, background at your position at DMV and, and you know, sure. kind of what you do for them? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, as you mentioned, I'm the, the global segment leader for energy storage at DNV, and, and energy storage is typically uh, batteries, but there's a lot of ways you can you can store energy. Um, that's in our energy systems group, which uh, typically consults to the oil and gas sector as well as uh, renewable energy clients. And I myself, I coordinate a team of about 70 battery storage experts across the world. Um, I've been with DNV for about three years and I have about a 20 year career in the clean energy sector, which is renewables, batteries and hydrogen. I see. Um, so how did you get involved with hydrogen in the first place? Well, actually, it was one of my first jobs after engineering. So uh, I, I was at a hydrogen fuel cell company uh, up here in Canada where I live. Uh, back then, 20 years ago, we weren't really focused as much on things like ammonia production or hydrocracking or energy sport, uh, exports with hydrogen. It was really focused on like passenger cars and maybe hydrogen buses. Uh, so we were aimed at sort of decarbonizing uh, transportation at the time, but electric vehicles kind of pushed back this fervor into uh, hydrogen at the time. So it's so it's been a while, but uh, it's exciting to see uh, hydrogen has come back into the mix. So why why do you think that is? Why do you why do you think there's so much buzz around hydrogen today? Um, I think there's a few things. So the the first one is decarbonization. So the 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 problem of climate change doesn't seem to be going anywhere, and uh, Politically, we we seem aimed, or most countries seem aimed, at trying to reduce uh, the amount of carbon we emit. And so hydrogen is going to help solve some of those issues that don't seem to be solvable using other means. Um, second, if you're talking about green hydrogen, which is kind of my specialty, uh, where you're you're using electricity to to split water, um, you know the cost of renewable energy or clean energy has come way down since when I first started in hydrogen. Uh, a long time ago. And then third, the the capital cost of that equipment has come down uh, quite a bit. And we've seen in other industries like solar and batteries for electric vehicles that when you scale an industry up and start producing a lot of something, uh, that can help bring the cost down. So, so we should be able to make green hydrogen a little bit cheaper. And I think whether it's blue or green, depending on where you're getting your hydrogen, I think regardless, back to that first problem of decarbonization, that's that's really the big driver that's going to keep pushing um, the hydrogen industry. All right, good answer. Uh, so so w- what is DNV doing in the hydrogen space? Well, we're, we're an engineering and advisory company, and it's, it's really interesting for us because we had sort of three main business units. We had a, a maritime division, uh, an energy division, and an oil and gas division. And actually, our energy and oil and gas groups merged about uh, a year and a half ago into a group called Energy Systems. And this is kind of cool because, you know, we have renewable energy experts used to building 
projects like we'll be seeing with uh, with green hydrogen per se, uh, you know, things tied to solar and wind, perhaps batteries, uh, using that electricity to do something uh, like make hydrogen. The oil and gas group has a bunch of expertise that we didn't have, which is things like pipelines, you know, high pressure vessels, uh, chemistry and safety expertise. So it's a really nice merger to have these two skill sets under one roof. And then interestingly enough, our maritime group uh, also comes into the mix when people look at exporting some of these fuels like ammonia or hydrogen and trying to take energy to, to other countries or uh, even using some of these fuels as a uh, to power some of these ships. So it's we're kind of an interesting company that was in a really sort of sweet position uh, for hydrogen to come along. Excellent. So um, the, I've had a chance to go in through go through the DNV energy uh, transition outlook a bit. Uh, how about you tell our listeners a little about a little bit more about that? Right. So the energy transition outlook or ETO is uh, it's a document that we release every year. And basically behind that document is this comprehensive model that takes all of the energy vectors, whether it's like coal or, or other fossil fuels, renewables, um, so, so sources of energy, then it looks at how those how that energy is transported and used, whether it's in transportation, whether it's to generate electricity, and then how that electricity is used. So it's got this, this big model that takes into account, you know, demographics, economic changes, technology improvements and policies to really figure out what's the world going to look like in 2050 from an energy perspective. Um, and there's a lot of things that sort of tie into each other. So uh, the, the rate of adoption of electric vehicles may be linked to sort of the cost of electricity in a particular region. But, you know, by bringing on more electric vehicles, you increase load on the grid and that drives up the cost of electricity. So what this model does is really tries to, to balance out a supply and demand between all types of energy uses um, and, and take us out to 2050. And I think the uh, the three big takeaways from, from the last one that we issued uh, just about a month ago is that electricity is going to move from about 19% of our energy supply to 36%. So globally, we're electrifying, and that's pretty good. Um, of that, the electricity is going to be 69% renewable at that point in 2050. So we're decarbonizing, and that's good. But unfortunately, um, our model tells us we're not really moving fast enough to stay within the 1.5 degrees Celsius or even the 2 degrees Celsius sort of limit that uh, the UN um, climate change panel has sort of advised. So there's work to be done if, if that's our goal. Fair enough. So. What what does the DNV energy transition outlook tell us about hydrogen in particular? Well, this is great because in the last actually we we actually issued a special edition uh, this summer on hydrogen specifically. So we took a deep dive into all the places that you might uh, that you might use hydrogen and all the ways to make it. And so, ostensibly, hydrogen is this new energy carrier that's going to blend into the mix and and replace some. Uh, carbon-based fuels. Uh, in some areas, it's going to actually be made from carbon-based fuels. Um, if, if you're making blue hydrogen, and uh, we actually make hydrogen today from natural gas, typically, or coal. Um, but uh, 
you know, some of the things that we see is a lot of the new uses are going to be in making other types of fuels, whether that's uh, ammonia for ships, whether it's sustainable aviation fuels for airplanes. Um, and we're also going to see hydrogen sort of penetrating markets where hydrogen's already used. So we'll be using these cleaner forms of hydrogen to get into hydrocracking or fertilizer production. Uh, I think one of the things that, that we see, the, the key takeaway is that um, it seems to be a promising way to decarbonize hard to abate sectors. I see. So, well, first I'm curious, is that, because I looked at your hydrogen outlook, is that something that you will continue to produce in the future or was that just a, a one-off thing? No, we've we've been producing it I think since 2018, and it's nice because uh, uh, we learn from our mistakes. We learn where to improve, so we'll add sort of uh, areas of of sort of greater granularity to to try and uh, make the model more accurate in the future. And we also update it with what's happened historically. So any sort of growth curve has to be based in historical uh, data and and where you've gotten to a certain point. And when we think about, you know, we started this just a year or two before COVID, and you can actually see that, of course, in the short term, we didn't hit some of our forecasts because COVID really changed the world temporarily in terms of energy use. Okay, so so to expand on your previous point um, on the hard to abate sectors versus the reality um, that, well, the relatively easier to abate sectors, um, how can hydrogen play a role in lowering emissions? Yeah, so I guess the the easy to abate type uh, applications are going to be things like power generation. So there are lots of ways to make electricity that don't emit CO2. Same with passenger vehicles. We've we've now got EVs, which are a commercial, um, a commercial alternative to um, internal combustion engines. So those seem to be easier to bait at this point because we we know how we're able to solve that problem. We have some options. The hard to abate sectors are things where typically the ones where we don't see how we can electrify or we don't see how we can make the type of heat we need without using fossil fuels and emitting um, carbon dioxide. So uh, things like moving a ship or a plane you can't use batteries the same way that you can with electric passenger vehicles. They're just not good for that type of cross-oceanic application. And then secondly, there's some sectors that can't be electrified at all. Uh, so if you're making ammonia from natural gas and, and giving off carbon, uh, or if you're making cement uh, by burning natural gas to run the kilns, you can't electrify all of those things. And so you actually need the hydrogen molecule in some cases uh, to, to provide that, not just energy. Let's see. So what are some good example um, uses for hydrogen? Uh, well, they, they often call hydrogen the, uh, the Swiss army knife because there's so many things that it can do, uh, but they don't all make sense. They're either inefficient uh, or they're, uneconomic because they're not efficient. But some of the some of the areas that we think are going to be attractive are going to be um, maritime fuels and sustainable aviation fuels. Uh, you know, today, uh, most of those are all just 100 uh, percent fossil fuel based um, as companies and countries start to change their 
rules and, and purchasing patterns, we're going to start to see them look at what we'll call uh, e-fuels or things that are made from clean hydrogen like ammonia or, or methanol. Um, we're also going to see heavy-duty vehicles. So as I mentioned, like uh, passenger vehicles, uh, like family sedan sort of thing, that doesn't seem to work as well for hydrogen as it does for electric vehicles. You know, there's a lot of advantages. You can just charge overnight in your garage. Uh, you don't typically have to sit around too long and, and charge up. But if you're operating a big semi, sort of 18-wheeler truck, uh, you might not want to go electric. It may be more practical to go hydrogen. And there's a few companies that are actually developing uh, heavy-duty transport based on hydrogen. And, and I'm, that makes sense. I've, I've heard that a lot, that it, it doesn't really make sense um, hydrogen for, you know, regular sedans and things of that nature, but for heavy duty, um, which is emitting more emissions anyways, it's, it's hydrogen is a good, uh, a good choice. So, yeah. uh, so, and some of that is because uh, it's, it's really how much it's used, right? Like a, uh, the family car just doesn't drive around that many hours per day. You usually go to work, park it, and then come home and park it again. Uh, a truck's on the road all the time. And so the it's really the uh, not just the technology, but kind of the, the use case itself and how those vehicles are used gives you just a different payback equation. And now that a lot of people are hybrid, they may, may not even be driving to and from work that much, right? <laughs> That's true. So um, I'm sure I don't have to tell you about the IRA from um, earlier this year. Uh, does the energy transition outlook take that into account in North America? Uh, so we we saw that this was coming, but we didn't have enough time to fully implement it into uh, into our model. Um, I guess one of the things too, uh, the the way that our regions are split up, we look at North America a little bit holistically, and that would typically have been a problem because we didn't have the IRA in, in Canada and Mexico. One of the interesting things is that there's, there's actually a uh, uh, recently released um, set of rules or tax policies in Canada that kind of mirror the IRA. So uh, when we go to do our 2023 um, uh, analysis around North America in our ETO, uh, I, I'm sure we will include uh, some form of that type of uh, uh, incentive. And I, I actually think it's going to be really interesting to see how that type of funding really stimulates um, renewables and hydrogen itself. Yes, I agree. I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Uh, so, Jason, as you've been very active in North America, what are people looking at? Um, I, I'd have to say there's a little bit of uh, everything and everywhere going on. Um, there's also a real spectrum of you know, the, the customers that we talk to, and, and typically I'm speaking to uh, renewables customers or either new startups into the sort of green hydrogen space. But we also talk to a lot of um, gas utilities that are looking at their uh, pipeline networks and, and how much hydrogen they can put into those. Um, I would say from the sort of project perspective uh, of building new infrastructure to, to produce hydrogen, um, there are people looking at exporting from a variety of coastal areas. There are people looking at um, getting into the markets that already exist. So if people are using hydrogen today to 
um, crack sort of crude oil or other petrochemicals into uh, other chemicals, uh, or if they're using hydrogen to make ammonia for a fertilizer. Um, those companies are being approached with a variety of people saying, hey, can we sell you a cleaner version, either blue or green uh, hydrogen that will help you sort of meet some of your ESG goals. Uh, we've also got people looking at smaller projects and a variety of types of hubs in different regions where some of them will uh, be related to vehicles. Some of them might be related to steel production. So as I said, there's there's a lot of different applications. And I'd say within North America, uh, we're kind of seeing it all. Yes, a lot of moving pieces indeed. Um, so what, do you have any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to tell our listeners before we wrap up here? Um, I think uh, so as somebody who who started in hydrogen a long time ago and, and saw that it, it didn't go anywhere at the time, uh, I think back to our earlier discussion, this really does feel like um, it's it's happening this time. The, the, the drivers and sort of uh, changes in place are going to make hydrogen economy much more attractive. And I think what we're seeing in terms of climate change and climate change policy, it's going to be necessary uh, to meet some of our goals. So uh, I think the uh, for anybody trying to get into the hydrogen space, I think the tricky part is going to be figuring out um, how do you make it, get it to where you need to use it, and then what are you going to do with it when you use it? That's It's not as clear uh, for everyone because in a lot of cases, uh, this isn't a, a current market that we're going into, but some of these applications are new or hydrogen is new to them. All right, excellent. All right, well, I'd like to thank you again, Jason, for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on an episode of H2 Tech Talk. Uh, I'd love to have you again in the future if you're available. Yeah, that'd be great, Tyler. Thanks for having me. All right. And um, yeah, we'd like to thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode of H2 Tech Talk. Please remember to share and subscribe. Thanks for stopping by.